from LPL Financial, welcome to Market Signals. I'm your host, Ryan Dietrich. CPI on Thursday is, you know, has the highest potential to move markets. Just like with higher taxes, we're prepared for more inflation. But if you get a big outlier even beyond the high expectations, that could certainly cause some volatility. I mean, other than that, I guess we'll be following Washington, D.C., right? You know, tax proposals, yep. infrastructure spending program negotiations and all of that probably won't move markets because these things are a long way off from actually happening. But certainly they're, you know, they'll be important to watch as we, you know, think about the second half of the year in 2022. Hi, everybody. We're back. Welcome to the latest LPL Market Signals podcast. Jeff and Ryan here. We took a week off for the holiday. Um, we're glad to be back, refreshed. There's plenty of things to talk about over the past two weeks. But Jeff, maybe the first, most important, our injuries. As we get older, we've got our injuries. How is the ankle doing? You've had a couple more weeks now. Much better. I, I was kind of hoping we could put the injury updates to bed here. Uh, now, because we're feeling good enough, so you know, I think, I think I'll pretty much be a hundred percent in a week or two. So good, oh, good news there. I hope uh, the same can be said for your back. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be a hundred percent. I found out I did have a herniated disc, which is why it's been hurting for six weeks. Uh, but it's doing a lot better. So, like, I've been going to a, a physical therapist and a chiropractor, and you know, do, doing all the stuff that they tell me to do, and it's it's feeling better. So I actually flew up to Ohio over the weekend. Um, flew up Saturday morning, came back Sunday night. My mom's stage four breast cancer. She's hanging in there. She has more bad days than good days. So I just wanted to go up and see her because we literally have nothing with our kids are done. Like sports are like done for a while. So I said, man, I'll just fly up and see my mom. She had a rough week. So it was good to see her. And she was doing a lot better actually when I saw her. What I'm getting at is I had to sit like in an airplane. Okay. And I had some Delta points. I got like a Delta credit card, right? So like um, American Express Delta. So I had all these points. All right. But I had to fly Delta for free. The catch is there's no direct flights from Charlotte to Dayton, Ohio. So I had to do like connecting flights in Atlanta. And I was like, wow. This is a good test for my back. And honestly, it did it hung in there pretty good. As long as I sit up really straight, I couldn't like lean back or be comfy. But I did all right. Watched the movies on Netflix and, and, and enjoyed myself um, all in all. But the back, I actually slept last night. Two nights in a row now, I've slept without waking up. And I was waking up a lot last week in pain. So we're getting there. Just continue to do this, the, um, I don't know, the stretches and all the different stuff uh, that, that the guys were telling me to do. And they said, I hopefully we'll be able to avoid surgery. But herniated disc hurts and I, I i've been living with that for a while that's why it's so much pain so i'm glad your ankle is good you training for the boston marathon and that what you said you're going to do or did i misunderstand you when you said it when it gets better what you're doing you you did not hear right no, no there'll be <laughs> no running in my future um, maybe a little swimming maybe yeah. a little uh life cycle but but no running well, as you can see on the YouTube channel, I'm literally all ears. So sorry for misunderstanding that one, but you know, if that's all right. All right, Jeff, so let's get into it. We can talk all day on this. I'm feeling about what we've done the past two weeks. We got a few more things we'll touch on, but this week in the LPL Market Signals podcast, we're going to take a look at policy and our weekly market commentary that we just put together. Um, little policy update. Believe me, this is policy drives so much of the economy and the stock market. We're going to give kind of our views on where things stand right now. Meme stock mania, which is, I believe, about the, I think that's pretty much the title of what we call this podcast. A lot of action in the meme stocks, just crazy historic things happening. We're going to talk about kind of what does that exactly mean for markets. And literally, like as we're recording this Monday morning, the S&P is pretty much an all-time high. So clearly taking it in stride, but it's caught um, so many people's imaginations. Uh, we're going to take a look at seasonality in June. Historically, June can be a little bit of a weaker month and then finish things up with the economic um, roundup of last week, specifically focusing probably on the jobs number that came in a little bit weaker than expected. <clears throat> 
All right, Jeff, so let's get into it. So policy, um, you know, the weekly market commentary, I've got it in front of me. Let me read the exact title. I don't remember the title. It is, we titled it, Policy Shifts May Challenge Markets. The truth is, Jeff, higher taxes are coming. Maybe take a little bit longer than we thought. Corporate tax rate, 21%. We think 25 to 26%. There's talk over the weekend of the, the G7, the global tax rate being a minimum of 15% to stop, I guess, like a race to zero, if you will, or race to the bottom to get different countries um, to, to lower their tax rates to try to get, you know, drum up more business, if you will, with companies coming in to pay lower corporate tax rate. Um, different, the different games, I guess, they're playing. But we are sharing on the YouTube channel just the idea that, listen, if the corporate tax rate jumps to, let's say, let's even say 28%, we don't think that's going to happen at all, but that was what was thrown out there. That's still the lowest number since we saw, since like uh, World War II. All right, so you got to put that in context. Jeff, you want to build a little bit on that or anything else you want to talk about from the uh, weekly market commentary? I think the most important point is that um, the economic cycle means more to stocks than, than policy, right? Mm -hmm. Or particularly uh, tax rates. You know, so that's number one. Number two, we had a long time to prepare for this, right? I mean, Biden ran on this. Um, yes. You know, once the the Senate was settled in January, we knew this was coming. <clears throat> so uh, it's certainly not going to be a surprise to markets. And look what the you know the stock market's up 13 percent year to date. We're at pretty much all time highs on the S and P five hundred, and you know all that time we've known that corporate tax rates were going up. Well, you know why are stocks absorbing that? likely hit well one reason is it's not coming till 2022 but uh another reason is because you know the earnings momentum is so strong it's offsetting the tax hit right or prospective tax hit so this is um you know nobody wants to pay higher taxes but it's a good time to raise them because the market is just you know surging higher um earnings look good economy's booming uh we think that uh the markets can withstand this yeah, now, you know, one of the things, the top question we've received at LPL Research from more than 18,000 advisors and, and their clients is, listen, what do you think about inflation? We've talked about inflation a ton the past month and a half or so, so maybe we won't talk about it so much in today's podcast um, as we're talking more about policy and taxes. Um, but the number two question, I guess I'd say, you know, was about higher taxes, higher regulation. Um, you know, after President Biden won, those concerns were out there. Even before President Biden won, I remember talking about a blue wave and, you know, could that higher taxes come? And, and we said then, you know, yeah, higher taxes probably are coming, um, you know, especially if you have a blue wave. But the truth, again, is the economy can withstand these things when you have um, a stronger economy. Now, Jeff, I'll just play. Whoa. So I'm sitting in this chair and it just like popped. If I I'll tell you what, we were joking with Neil, our producer before this, like, you know, if we do like before we're on, um, you know, like goofy blooper reels, I'll tell you if this chair breaks while I'm sitting in it, that'll be YouTube gold. We will just keep it because it made a pop. I don't know what's going on here. Um, I was talking to Jeff, actually. I, I've lost like 15 pounds the last six weeks since my back got all screwed up. I've been trying to eat a little, eat a little differently. So I don't know. I'm like, maybe I need to lose a little more weight because this chair can't handle it. Jeff, I have no clue. Where, what was I even talking about? I, I, I'm afraid I was going to fall through the floor or something. Where, where was I? Help me out while I'm looking at this chair. What's going on down here? Hey, we're, we're, we're focused on higher taxes and how the there market is uh, able to uh, absorb that, we think, at this point in time, because we've known about it for so long. That's the primary reason anyway. Yeah. And you know, okay. So thank you for saving me there. That's why we have a two-man podcast. Um, you know, the, the, the thing I wonder though is, listen, we this is not we didn't just have a great depression, but it felt like it for, for a little bit of time. But remember after the great depression, when the recovery took place, what happened? The fed tightened, 
the government increased taxes, they increased regulation, and you know there's a massive global trade war. So we're not seeing all of those things. That's kind of a how not to help your recovery or how to stop your recovery in, in its tracks. Now we're doing a couple of those with more regulation and more taxes. I mean, I'm not, again, I'm not saying we're having a great depression. We're not saying that at all. I mean, there's a lot of differences. Specifically, I guess the Fed is, is not tightening and that's a big difference. But I mean, you know, do you have some concerns about should we increase taxes when we just had the worst recession since the Great Depression? Not really. Um, you know, I think people need to be a little more concerned about inflation in the Fed, although we're comfortable with those risks, right? Uh, you know, just look at what's happened to earnings this year, right? Um, the positive revision to estimates is like 12%, right? When we came into the year, estimates for 2021 earnings from the S&P 500 companies were 12% lower than they are today. <laughs> so if you're going to take a, let's say the hit to earnings from corporate tax increases is 5 6%, you're still up six, 5 6% from where we started the year, right? right. So uh, it is a it is a very strong economic environment. Certainly, the you know, economy has a lot of momentum, and that means uh, we're in a good position to absorb tax rates. Right? We, you know, we went, went back, I think this is the next slide, right? we went back and looked at what do stocks do when you have corporate tax increases, and what do stocks do when you have capital gains tax increases, and they've done pretty well. But when you go back and find the periods where they didn't do as well, it's very easy to explain. You had an economic shock you had a recession, you had a downturn, you had World War II, right? These um, stagflation in the 70s, they're very, it's very easy to explain the periods where stocks didn't like uh, higher taxes. We are clearly not in one of those environments right now. Now we were in March of 2020, <laughs> and we raised taxes in March of 2020, that's a different story. But this economy is on very firm footing uh, coming out of the pandemic. Uh, absolutely. And again, I think, you know, the economy's strong, but just the way the Fed is reacting here. I mean, we'll talk a little bit more about the Fed, I think maybe the next slide or so. But um, you know, the truth is the Fed is still clearly a tailwind to this. And that's um, that's important to remember. We did talk about higher cap gains taxes maybe about a month ago or so on, on the podcast. And, you know, in late 86, we increased capital gains taxes. And then again, in 2013, right at the beginning of the year, we increased capital gains taxes. Those two times, again, fairly solid economies, 2013, a definite accommodative Fed. You could argue uh, 1986, early 87, remember stocks went up like 40% year to date until August and that rubber band was stretched. The Fed was actually tightening then. So it's a little bit of a different scenario, um, but the economy was strong. So the truth is, again, uh, we know the concern is there, higher taxes, higher regulation. If the economy is strong, it usually can take it in stride. And I'll just kind of end with this cherry on top, I guess we'll say. Um, you know, higher taxes mean probably more spending, right? That's the whole thing, right? There's more infrastructure coming. The human human infrastructure, infrastructure plan are coming over the next year and even out further. Um, and again, stock markets tend to like more spending, whether you agree with it or you don't. That's another story for another day. The truth is, as stewards of assets for, for our clients and, and our advisors, we understand that, yes, if the economy is strong, more spending is coming, stock market likes that. And that's something we're not going to ignore. And honestly, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, something we've been talking about for a while. Jeff, anything other or anything final on policy before we kind of move and talk about the Fed a little bit? I think let's let's move on. Talk Fed. Let's do it. So I think we might have shared this chart last week or two weeks. It was two weeks ago. But if I can't remember, you guys probably don't remember either. So it's just the Fed balance sheet. Um, you know, over seven trillion in mortgage uh, in treasuries and mortgage backed securities. Um, now, I got the numbers here. The, the New York Fed came out and said they see this peaking at nine trillion um, by the end of 20, uh, 
2022. And then it's just going to, that's the tapering, you know, then, then, then eventually they're going to start to taper. And then it's going to be sideways until like 2025 before they actually lower the balance sheet. I thought that was kind of fascinating. That's the New York Fed's opinion. I mean, they probably have some inside information on the whole thing. I mean, Jeff, again, we've talked a ton about tapering and when they're going to start announcing it. We've got, I think, a Fed meeting in two weeks. I think it's in two weeks. You know, maybe they're going to start to talk about slowing the purchasing of $120 billion a month, but they're still purchasing. And again, New York Fed said they're going to keep purchasing until it gets about $9 trillion. we got a ways to go. What do you mm-hmm. think about the whole tapering thing? Yeah, I believe the next Fed meeting is next week, 15th. Next week. Okay. Uh, the um, Well, first, I thought it was really interesting. You know, the Fed said they're going to sell their corporate bonds and ETFs that they bought as part of the emergency programs last summer. It was a very small amount. I want to say around um, $13 billion. Um, Markets just sailed right through that. I mean, I I was I thought that actually the market might take that as a signal that tapering is coming sooner uh, than the Fed's been saying. Well, I guess the market now is starting to believe the Fed that um, you know they're probably just going to start talking about tapering, not taper, but start talking about it here over the next uh, month or two, and then um, you know maybe at the end of this year or very early in 2021 we actually uh, get tapering. So I, I think the market and the and the Fed are on the same page now, which, which is good and reduces the chances that you get a bumpy ride. Yeah, and if you watch the YouTube channel, we've got a picture of um, Jerome Powell with the helicopter with money coming out. And everyone likes to talk about the helicopter money. But you're right. I mean, that came out, I think it was Thursday night, maybe Wednesday evening when they said the Fed was going to, to sell some of those corporate bonds and ETFs. But the key thing, like you said, I don't even think it was quite $13 billion with a B. Very small amount is what they purchased. It's almost kind of like they said they were going to purchase bonds way back in March 2020. Um, but it's just the fact the Fed's voice carries such... Um, you know, they just carry so much that they didn't buy, I guess, nearly as much as we thought. And this is the first sign of they're going to start to sell a little bit, but it's just uh, such a, it's a, literally a rounding error when you look at the entire size of the corporate bond market, uh, what they're selling, the ETFs and corporate bonds that they're selling. But it's still the first sign, I guess, uh, the Fed just doing these little tiny warnings that, you know, more selling is coming or maybe not maybe more selling, maybe tapering, but they're going to sell here and the market clearly. Uh, took it in stride. And again, we're going to talk more about the jobs number. That was probably more important on, on Friday, but just, um, you know, the fed is giving some clues, I guess we'll say. So let's, um, let's move forward from there. So LPL had some really cool news. Uh, last week we announced officially that we did make the fortune 500. Um, la- I didn't realize this last year we were 503. I mean, talk about just getting on the doorstep and missing it. I believe we were 466. If I'm wrong, it's not by much. I'm pretty sure we were 466. And I did learn that has like, you know, is it market cap? Well, how do you make the fortune 500? It's actually revenue. So we had revenue of almost $6 billion last year. And that made us uh, jump, help us jump to 466, which is a really cool honor sharing it on social media, different places. Obviously we're, we're really proud of that. I mean, Jeff, when you started, we were probably fortune 5,000. I'm just throwing out a random number. I don't know, but you know, we, we're big, we're big, but you know, we're, we're going the right way. I mean, you want to talk a little bit more about the evolution of LPL, the 15, 16 years you've been here? Yeah, I, I haven't gone back. And, I mean, it'd be hard to do, but gone back and tried to figure out uh, yeah. what our revenue or assets were when I started, because it was so long ago. But my guess is we had about a hundred, maybe about a hundred billion in assets mm-hmm. when I started. So to go up 10x, Mm-hmm. You know, is tremendous. Well, I know, um, you know, the stock price was essentially a dollar fifty in private markets versus now, whatever it is, 
140. So yeah. um, certainly that um, has been a big, uh, a big move, you know, higher both assets uh, and revenue. And that's been reflected in, uh, in the stock price. Certainly uh, been quite a ride. Oh, that, that, that's, that's, that's great. I mean, I know, like you said, we talked to maybe, I guess it was two weeks ago, last podcast, we hit a trillion dollars in assets. So just in the past couple of weeks, LPLs hit a trillion dollars in assets for the first time. And then we just made the fortune 500. So things are obviously going the right way. It's a lot of fun. Again, we're just, we're just the research department. We're a small cog in the whole thing, the way that we try to help our more than 18,000 advisors. If you listen to this podcast for a while, I said more than 17,000 advisors. It felt like for a while. Now I'm saying more than 18,000 because we continue to grow and we have some, uh, amazing growth um oh what do we i guess what we call it um goals the next 10 years or we're, we're not done <laughs> we, we got a long way to go and we're going to do it and it's 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 a lot of fun when you, you we do all this different work when you see things like this it's like oh wow that's uh that makes it all it's worthwhile anyway but it just really makes you feel good to see okay we're in the fortune 500 we are you know we're, we're doing the mission that we're trying which is again to help our advisors help their clients and it's it's an honor and a privilege uh so jeff with that kind of cool thing out of the way, meme stock mania. I've got like just a bunch of amazing notes and stats that I, I discovered or not discovered. I read over the weekend. I mean, clearly AMC has taken the country's interest by storm. We remember GameStop back in late January, you know, Blackberries there, Bed Bath Beyond, um, Costs, which makes the headphones. Those are some of the meme stocks that are just you turn on CBC, it's all they're talking about. You go to the Reddit boards and things, which I don't go to those pages, but I know that it's it's just like, you know, I'll give you a second, but it feels like this, you know, small guy versus the big guy, right? They're trying to find these companies that people like and enjoy that have been beaten up, that have a lot of shorts, and they get the masses of the little guy to buy them and get these short covering rallies. And I guess I'll say it's working when you see the 95% one day gain in AMC just on Wednesday last week, not to mention the 2000% gain for the year. Um, it's amazing, really, just kind of what's happening. Well, what's your kind of high level view? Because clearly the market's taking it in stride now. I and mean, that's the good news, right? Remember in late January when GameStop was going up, the market sold off, worried about which hedge funds are on the other side of that trade. And that's getting blown up. And it doesn't sound like market's worried about that anymore. Well, what do you think's all going on here? Well, I I'll tell you, the the hedge funds that have been shorting these names are being much more careful, yep. right? That's that's one lesson that that they learned from uh, from GameStop. And I think the fact that you know, I mean, that one hedge fund took a huge hit, right, mm -hmm. um, on the GameStop GameStop um, uh, surge. Um, we're not hearing about um, hedge funds in big trouble again, which is great news, right? <laughs> right? Everybody's being careful. Uh, you know, beyond that, I mean. Sure, sure. The you know the stock market is maybe um, a little bit expensive on price earnings ratios and all of that, but um, you always get some froth around the edges, right? There's always, I mean, this is extreme, right? But there's always stocks making huge moves that mm -hmm. are uh, capturing uh, investors' imagination, and so um, this this is a sign of froth, no doubt. You know, some people think what's happened in crypto is a sign of froth uh, as well, but these, you know, the market caps of these companies are just not big enough to really affect the broad market all that much, right? Even though they've had these big moves higher. I mean, in fact, I think, you know, AMC is probably big enough market cap to go into the S&P 500 right now if it holds oh, yeah. that market cap, whereas <laughs> right. it was in the uh, Russell 2000, or I mm -hmm. think it is in the Russell 2000, which is just amazing. Uh, you know, hopefully there'll be room for uh, for LPL and the S&P 500 at some point. But, uh, you know, that, I mean, these are huge moves, but we're really talking about small segments of the market. So we don't think people should be worried about this driving a big correction 
in the broad stock market. It's it's really um, uh, kind of a sideshow at this point. Yeah, it is. And then you look at the fact, though, that just a couple big stocks, specifically GameStop and AMC, they're almost driving small caps. I mean, like, really, I mean, the, the moves they're making uh, as of last week, let's see, your AMC was up to um, 82, 0.82%, so a little bit less than 1% of the Russell 2000. That was the largest component. GameStop's about 0.56%. Again, that's like the second or third largest component. Um, I did see some numbers that some of the small cap funds that have specifically AMC in it, I'm not going to mention which fund it was, but as of last Wednesday, up to 18% of this small caps ETFs holdings were all AMC. And again, when AMC was going up, you saw some incredible moves in small caps. So that's unique. But Jeff, here's why I want to dig in a little bit. Well, let's one more, one more. Uh, the you know, we've had relatively low volume, honestly. It's summertime, whatever, you know. But last week or last for five days, from May 26th to June 2nd, AMC's volume, just one little stock, AMC, as a percent of the NYSE was 9%, 11%, 14%, 10%, and 13%. That was, again, from May 26th to June 2nd. Just truly amazing. Their market cap reached over $30 billion last Wednesday before a sell-off. Um, and that would rank 249th in the S&P 500. Um, you know, again, they sold wow. off a little bit from there. Now, here's where I want to dig in, Jeff. I didn't even know you could do this, but apparently you can't. All right, I guess I guess um, Berkshire's done this before. You can actually like give rewards to your shareholders. On Wednesday, AMC said, you know, all the shareholders that were coming out. This is on Wednesday, okay? They said this. We're going to give you free popcorn. The stock went up ninety five percent. All right, now it was moving before that, but they said we're going to give shareholders free popcorn. And apparently, you can do that. I I, I didn't know you could do that. Um, you know, what's your take on that? I mean, that's just that's crazy. It's just crazy is the word I think of. I mean, is popcorn that good? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think these uh, day traders uh, or folks on the Reddit board are moving AMC stock because they want free popcorn. But I'm, I mean, yeah. who doesn't like free popcorn, right? I mean, it's certainly part yeah. of part of uh, the movie theater experience. I mean, by mm -hmm. the way, I mean, people are coming back to the movies, right? And yeah. people, you know, <laughs> looking at Bed Bath & Beyond chart, people are going back shopping in stores, uh, certainly um, much more aggressively than they were last year. So th there is a reopening story that it's at least partly tied Mm -hmm. uh, to some of the moves in these things. I don't, I don't think it's, you, you can't say this is not fundamental at all. It's right. a little bit um, uh, fundamental, but uh, you know, in, in terms of, uh, well, the other thing I think is interesting is AMC uh, raised, raised capital, right? They sold shares yep. to take advantage of the higher prices. And so yep. that actually is a real fundamental development. That's another way that fundamentals in this case may matter. This is not a recommendation of AMC or any of these other stocks, long or short. But, um, you know, when you are able to sell stock at a high price, that gives you capital to maybe do some things that could potentially add uh, some some shareholder value. So I thought that was interesting. And I think they're getting some praise for that move. Yeah, I was going to go there next. I was on Thursday, but you mentioned movies. So I was, again, on planes for the first time in 16 months um, this weekend. And I I watched that movie Oxygen on Netflix, where the woman wakes up like in a cryogen chamber and the whole movie she's in like a cryogen chamber trying to get out it was really good it, it, it was good and then another one um i guess it's it's an italian just how cool is the world like it's like an italian movie called extreme or extremo it's like a top 10 movie on netflix pure action if you like john wick this is john wick on steroids i mean this movie was just non-stop action and revenge and i thought it was great so anyway some cool cool movies there i'm just watching on my phone as i was on the plane but jeff here's what i wanted to say so wednesday they said hey listen you got you buy our stock, we'll give you popcorn. On Thursday, 
They sold, AMC sold 11.6 million shares. They made $587 million. They sold at 51 bucks a share. Okay, started the year there at nine. I can't blame them. You know, the stock's up. And here's what they said on Thursday, the day after they said, we're going to give you free popcorn to buy our stock. This is literally in the press release. They said, we caution you against investing in our A shares unless you are prepared to incur a risk of losing all of your investment. Are you kidding me? I mean, free popcorn one day, then they say don't buy it because there's a risk of losing all your investment. I know they're trying to cover their you know what, but wow. I mean, that's just, <laughs> that is just crazy. I, I get it. Crazy is the word I come up with, but uh, you got any reaction to that? You, I mean, that's you might lose all your money. You might lose all your money, but you, at least you got some popcorn. So you don't say, have well, an empty stomach. Give me some popcorn, though. <laughs> hey, I guess when the stock goes to zero, maybe you'll even get popcorn. But anyway, all right, no, enough of that. But yeah, I mean, I guess let's put a bow on it, right? It's, it's, I guess, you know what, what I kind of do like about the meme stock, it's so many different people who haven't have never invested before. Now, to be honest, we kind of probably know how this is going to end. A lot of people are going to get burned. Okay. But you know, we're getting people to realizing you can make money in investments. And there's ways groups of people are getting together learning at exponential speed from versus what previous, um, you know, investors did. So it's, it's opened up a lot of doors, you know, that, 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 that weren't there before. And a lot of people made a lot of money. Hopefully they do the right thing here. And, 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 um, they book some of those profits, I guess we could say. But again, it's it's letting a lot of people realize that investing uh, can make you a lot of money. And you, we've talked before. I didn't know I'd go this route. But, you know, the truth is net wealth at all time high. Well, we know why, because a lot of wealthy people own stocks and a lot of the wealth has been created because the stock market's done what it's done the last 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 100 years, 125 years. Right. That's where a lot of wealth is being created because wealthy people own most of the stocks or good majority of the stocks. Now, a lot of people who, you know, got some stimulus checks through a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there on fractional shares, made a lot of money. They're opening up their eyes that there's a lot of potential. So I think that's a really cool thing um, down the road. And I think a lot of people are going to get burned eventually, but but that's a neat thing uh, down the road. So Jeff, that, enough about the, that. That's an interesting conversation for sure. I'll just talk a little bit about June, and then I'll let you talk about the jobs report. So June, historically, um, it's one of the weaker months. It's the fourth worst month of the year on average. Now, it's interesting. It's been higher five years in a row. I remember we talked a month ago about selling May go away. I said, well, listen, May's actually really strong. We should call it selling June. Sure enough, stocks were up just a little bit in May with a late rally into the year, up eight of the last nine years. The S&P has been higher in May. But you know, we're sharing the chart on the YouTube channel. And the, and the truth is the next, well, next not the next six months, next five months, truly are some of the weaker from a seasonality point of view. So after this big rally, and who knows, maybe we close at all-time highs literally as we speak. But Scott Brown, our technician on our team, has been pointing out, yes, the stock market's flirting with all-time highs right there. You look at the number of Stocks making um, 21 day highs. That's a one month high. Stocks making three month highs. Stocks making 52 week highs. We're not quite seeing as much participation. So that's not a major sell signal, but it is saying maybe there's something structurally wrong under the surface. Not as many stocks are participating. There's some excitement out there. I saw the AAII survey had the lowest number of bears since like early 2018, which was not too far away from a fairly major peak. Um, so again, just be aware the calendar is doing no one any favors here and some, some potential weakening under the surface um, as it pertains to the number of stocks participating in the upward move. Uh, so Jeff, oh, we're going to talk about this next. I didn't know this. I found my next job. I, I love what I do with LPL, but I, I mentioned before I got a smoker back in March. Finally, 
put the smoker together over Memorial Day. Uh, thanks, Jason and Pamel, for helping me do it. And I've just been nonstop smoking as much as I can. Uh, Friday night, I made beer can chicken and some burgers. I made some ribs uh, a week ago. It's just very, very addicting. There's no question about it. I've, I've loved it. I, so I have a Traeger, by the way. And it's like, what is it? A Traeger Fire 650, I think. It's like, I think that's what it's called. But anyway, I don't even know what things called. It's a Traeger grill, but it's like a computer. I control everything from my phone. I say, I put the, put the probe in. I say, you know, cook it to, you know, whatever, 165. And you put the pellets in and you say, keep it at, you know, 225 degrees and just hit go. <laughs> and it just keeps the temperature where it needs to go, smokes it perfectly. And once you hit the proper uh, temperature, your food is done. So it's uh, kind of a lazy man's way to do something, which I'm all okay with um, in this day and age. So Jeff, uh, you know, I know you said you're hungry. Did that make you even hungry or looking at the image on YouTube? That's not a picture of my grill or my food, but I have been putting some pictures on Twitter. You getting hungrier? I had breakfasts. Uh, I had not eaten before our morning call when this came up. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I think uh, I can handle it a little bit better now. Uh, yeah. you know, I did grow up in Kansas city, so we know a yeah. thing or two about smoking meats. Um, but I, I'm, I'm impressed. Yeah, it's, it's fun. I mean, you know, just all the different types of pellets and all different types of rubs and all, I mean, Traeger's app's amazing. Like you type in, I, I will say, I want to cook some salmon, right? There's like all these recipes with like YouTube videos of people showing you how to cook the salmon. And as long as you follow the directions, you know, I'm, I'm not the smartest guy. <laughs> But I can follow directions and I just do it and put it in there. And boom, you've got some really good salmon. So it's uh, it's really cool. I don't believe they're publicly traded. And I'm not, again, saying go buy their stock, but man, go buy their grills. It's uh, Traeger grills are pretty awesome. All right, enough of that stuff. Jeff, the jobs number came out on Friday. I'll be quiet for a little bit here. It came in, I guess we call it Goldilocks, a little bit weaker than expected, not quite 650,000 like we thought. Came out, I believe it was five five hundred fifty nine thousand. Markets took off on Friday. Gold was up, bonds were up, yields sold off, stocks were up. U.S. dollar was weak, but it seemed like we hit hit it out of the park, if you will, because it was good growth, not great growth. The Fed can still do its thing. We're not seeing runaway growth, so you don't have to worry about runaway inflation. All the things kind of lined up on Friday. You want to talk about the jobs number a little more here? Yeah, I mean, it. You you can't call a half a million jobs in a month a bad report, right? I mean, I think that yeah. just important. this is a ton of jobs. Like if you go back pre-pandemic, we used to talk about, you know, 200,000 jobs as being good in a month, right. right? So this is, you know, well over 500,000 jobs is, is is a really solid growth rate. Now, why wasn't it better? Um, you know, one reason is seasonal adjustments are taking this down because COVID is just essentially uh, distorting the seasonal adjustments. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be, payback later in the form of better numbers to offset the weaker number we got here with the um, seasonal uh, adjustment. Now, um, probably a bigger factor, well, there's a couple of big factors, right? Um, there is a shortage of workers, right? So how, why are we having a hard time finding workers? <laughs> you know, I just took my daughter to tour a summer camp uh, over the weekend and they, they can't find workers, right? right? I mean, it's everywhere. It's not just fast food restaurants or um, you know, your typical retail jobs where you see help wanted signs in the window. Uh, it's, it's really just about everywhere. Uh, so, you know, even though people wanted to hire, they were unable to find the people. And then another reason why can't find workers is because they're getting the unemployment benefits. Uh, and that is a disincentive to work. So after those uh, benefits are um, removed, you'll probably get uh, a bump up. And then last thing, you know, there's still some people that can't work because of COVID. 
you know, mm -hmm. they can't get childcare. Um, you know, they're just afraid to go back into the office. They're just waiting. They're, you know, things are uncertain. There's a whole host of reasons. And so um, I think we're going to get those million job months, but it's just going to take maybe two or three more months to see them. Uh, good points. I know we talked about this before, but I pointed out before that it takes about four years on average to make up for the jobs that are lost after all the previous 10 recessions since World War II. It took seven years after the great financial crisis for the jobs to finally come back. So I think it makes sense that the, the millions and millions of jobs that we lost during this terrible recession, they're not just going to come back right away. I mean, that's kind of, you just listed off some excellent reasons why maybe the number has been a little weak the last, we'll call it weak-ish from what we expected. We thought we'd be hitting a million, million a month here, and we didn't, obviously. Um, but I think it, we just have to realize this is going to take probably years, honestly, to make up all the jobs that have been lost and it's not super shocking and i will say this much so i, I flew out of charlotte airport um saturday morning got there like 7 50 no i got there i don't know what time i got there yeah about 6 50 i think at eight o'clock flight jeff i've never seen the airport this crowded i mean it was it was insane the security wow. line was probably 200 yards long it was like from one end to the other fortunately i'm tsa pre and i found my way through and i got in there really quick i was like i about just jumped in the car and went home because i was like there's no way i'm making my flight it was it's crazy and then going through atlanta because i had to go through atlanta because i used delta it's just a zoo i mean like like uh, first time i've flown since um Right after the Super Bowl of 2020, yeah, right, Super Bowl of 2020, flipped to Columbus for an event. And I, I've never seen the Charlotte airport like this. So I, I guess we're opening up. But somebody said they had to close one of the securities down because they're having trouble finding workers to work the TSA security. So everybody's in line at the same place instead of splitting it up at a big airport like Charlotte's airport. So anyway, whatever you want to call it, um, the airports were packed. Atlanta airport was an absolute zoo just walking around terminals and stuff, too. So we're opening up <laughs> different ways. Um, people are out there traveling, and I know I'm getting more um, invites and things to travel a little bit more the second half of this year, which I'm excited to do as well. So that's uh, those are my comments there. Uh, Jeff, I'm going to let you finish things off with the our proprietary Beige Book Barometer hit an all-time high. Tell me a little bit about what this means for Main Street and what is the Beige Book Barometer and why it matters. Sure. Yeah. So the the Fed um, surveys um, the uh, all of their districts around the country, and they essentially create a summary of economic conditions uh, for their particular regions, right? And so, um, you know, if you take, we're trying to measure optimism or pessimism in these beige books, um, these summaries of economic conditions at the local level on Main Street, right? Uh, and so, if you take positive words minus negative words, you can create a barometer. Uh, it's like a diffusion index. So um, what this chart tells you is that the commentary was as optimistic as it's been in the uh, you know 12 years that we've been doing this. Mm -hmm. Been doing this quite quite some time. Now, I actually this is not you know our own unique idea. Other folks do this. I actually saw one from um, uh, another Wall Street firm that actually has it back to like the mid 90s. This mm. is still this is still the highest. Okay. That they've ever seen on their version. I can't remember which firm it was. It might have been um, Goldman, but it doesn't matter. This is a really, really good report, right? There's a lot of optimism building from Main Street. Uh, and, uh, you know, that you can see it from this chart, right? Those of you watching on YouTube, the trajectory is, is really, really strong um, as this reopening gains steam. 
Yeah, I know. Great point. So I know CEO confidence, there's different different surveys out there. One of those just hit the all time high levels. So CEOs are confident. Uh, Main Street obviously is improving confidence. Like I said, <laughs> if you get the chance to travel anytime soon. It sure looks like consumers are confident by how crowded airports are. Um, truly, truly amazing. But we did write about that on the LPL research blog. I think it was Thursday last week. Jeff, do you remember which day it was? I mean, you can find it. Yeah, I think that's LP, right. LPLresearch.com. Yeah, because yeah, Friday we talked about the jobs report. Um, and then again, this week's weekly market commentary, which should be live by the time any of you listen to this. You can find that on LPL.com. Just scroll down a little bit. We were taking an update on policy. So, Jeff, this week, I know there's one thing in particular that's big. Um, I don't know anything else. You go ahead and tell me what should investors be watching for this week that might move markets. Oh, the consumer inflation report, certainly yep. um, the the CPI on Thursday is probably going to be the, you know, has the highest potential to move markets. Uh, just like with higher taxes, we're prepared for more inflation. Uh, but if you get a big outlier, even beyond the high expectations, uh, that could certainly cause some volatility. I mean, other than that, I guess we'll be following Washington, D.C., right? You know, tax proposals, yep. infrastructure spending program negotiations and all of that. Um probably won't move markets because these things are, you know, a long way off from actually happening. Uh, but certainly they're, you know, they'll be important uh, to watch as we, you know, think about the second half of the year in 2022. Definitely. And, and Gary, uh, Barry Gilbert, sorry. Uh, I don't know who Gary, Gary, I combined Barry and Gary there. Barry Gilbert wrote our weekly market commentary. And I said, I'm going to yell at him because at the end he did a very quick blurb on, a very bad word, midterms. I said, let's not ever talk, let's not talk about those till we have to, you know, after the election and all the back and forth and whatever we said, we kind of got yelled at by either side after the election or during the election, before the election. We're talking about midterms, midterms are, are coming up. So, you know, it's all relative coming up, but yeah, they're, they're on the way. So we do have a little blurb on policy um, on midterms there as well. Uh, so Jeff, today is uh, June, June 7th and it's National Chocolate Ice Cream Day. So hopefully if you hear this on Monday night, when we release a podcast, maybe you won't hear about it till Tuesday or Wednesday when you listen to the podcast, but I'd say celebrate national ice cream day. And it's also Prince's um, birthday. Obviously Prince passed away a few years ago, um, which reminded me of one of my favorite quotes I've ever heard. I like to give quotes. Uh, Eric Clapton one time was asked, what's it like to be the greatest guitarist alive? Eric Clapton said, I don't know. Go ask Prince. So I thought that was a pretty cool quote. Um, big, big Prince fan. Yeah, I I'm a Prince fan, sure. Yeah, I'm not as much, I guess. I mean, I like you know, I, don't, I mean, great talent, obviously. I will say this much though: I thought his halftime performance at the Super Bowl, whenever that was, was just amazing. And I remember seeing like some behind the scenes things, just how he's such a not surprisingly, you know, such a perfectionist. And I guess it rained. And if you watch, just go find the YouTube video. Like he was wearing certain shoes. All the dancers were wearing certain like high heeled shoes and it rains. It was super slippery. They're like, listen, everybody's going to fall. You can't do it. And he's like, no, we're doing it. And they did it. And they just made it. It was amazing in the rain dancing around like that. And they said that everybody'd be falling and they didn't. <laughs> so that was a really, really cool uh, halftime, um, Super Bowl halftime. So with all that, anyway, everybody, um, thanks for being here. Please, um, you know, if you like this podcast, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a positive review. We really appreciate that um, to help us grow this. Thanks to Neil, as always, for, for getting, us, um, getting us out there in a professional way. Thanks to Walter, my 135-pound Great Pyrenees right there. Didn't make any sound during this podcast. And thanks to this chair I'm sitting in, which actually made another weird sound. So I think I'm going to flip it upside down and tighten some screws. Thanks to the chair for not letting me fall. So with all that, Jeff, uh, thanks. Good discussion, as always. Great discussion, as always. Everybody have a great week. We'll be back next week with the latest LPL Market Signals podcast then. Take care, everybody.
everybody. Bye-bye. This material was provided by LPL Financial, is for general information only, and is not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. There is no assurance that the views or strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal. Any economic forecasts set forth in the podcast may not develop as predicted and are subject to change. References to markets, asset classes, and sectors are generally regarding the corresponding market index. All indexes are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. Index performance is not indicative of the performance of any investment. All performance reference is historical and it's no guarantee of future results. All information referenced in the podcast is believed to be from reliable sources. However, we make no representation as to its completeness or accuracy. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and broker dealer. Member FINRA and SIPC insurance products are offered through LPL or its licensed affiliates. To the extent you are receiving investment advice from a separately registered investment advisor that is not an LPL affiliate, please note LPL makes no representation with respect to such entity. If your financial professional is located at a bank or credit union, please note that the bank or credit union is not registered as a broker dealer or investment advisor. These products and services are being offered through LPL or its affiliates, which are separate entities from and not affiliates of the bank or credit union. Securities and insurance offered through LPL or its affiliates are not insured by the FDIC or NCUA or any government agency. Not bank or credit union guaranteed, not bank or credit union deposits or obligations and may lose value.